Hello, beautiful. You are listening to episode 88 of the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name. I am a writer, self-branding coach, entrepreneur, and mentor. This show is the home of African women's stories. We share ideas, triumphs, challenges, and lessons from our perspective as women. Our library is a step to cementing our place in history. Her story, your story, is powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys have been voting. Remember, our podcast has been nominated for two APVA awards, so please get to voting. Welcome to all the new listeners, and welcome back, family. Click the subscribe button to make sure you are always first to know when a new episode drops. I still cannot believe that we are 11 conversations away from the 100th episode. There is so much going on in the Africana woman community. And I feel like I have to explain all of the things that Africana woman entails. The first thing that you need to know is that Africana woman is a brand. People get introduced to us from different mediums, but it is much bigger than whatever is your first encounter. Africana woman is the embodiment of a woman who understands that her health is her wealth. Being healthy is not limited to our physical bodies. It extends to your mind and your spirit. Therefore, if your mind, body, or spirit is not healthy, this has a ripple effect in your life and stunts your growth. What distinguishes Africana women from other brands is that we are the queens of celebrating each other. This is a space where women are not intimidated to see another woman succeed. In fact, we believe if she wins, we all win. You will find such a warm sisterhood in Africana Woman. Here, you have a safe space to be vulnerable, to be authentic, and really step into your unique power. So we have free resources available, including this podcast that you are listening to. And there is the Africana Woman blog. In addition, we have community activities and clubs, including the AWV book club, the masterclass series, and the mixer, which is our very popular speed networking event. Then we have immersive experiences, which are the retreats and workshops. There is definitely a lot going on, and I invite you to take full advantage of Africana Woman. Visit AfricanaWoman.com for more details. For the time being, I will tell you what you should be looking forward to. So... This month, the AWV Club is reading Boundaries. I feel like all Africans need to be reading Boundaries, but hey. We will have a review in the last week of the month. 
The next thing you need to know is we just had our first masterclass of 2022 with Karet Trotman of Virtual Caret VA Services. You can catch the replay in the Africana Woman Visionaries Facebook group. We discussed the mindset shift that is necessary for an entrepreneur to expand their business from a solopreneur by creating a team to work in the business. Very interesting conversation. So I do encourage you to go and catch the replay. On the 22nd of July, you must join the Mixer. This is our virtual speed networking event. And this is a room with women from all over the world having meaningful conversations that spark so much. You have to experience it at least once to understand how powerful this event is. The next thing I'd want you to really take note of is we are having our much-anticipated Know Your Roots, Grow Your Purpose retreat. And this is from the 29th to the 31st of July. This immersive experience is a way of practicing sacred solitude, where you give yourself permission to step away from all the noise, work, and distractions from your life in order to rest your mind, your body, and your spirit. We have a few spaces available, and you can go to the show notes to find out more about the retreat. After that, come August, I shall be teaching a course called Reinvention. This is an eight-week course that will literally catch that idea that is running around rent-free in your mind. You will mold it and give it flesh so as it's ready to be unleashed in the world. Reinvention can be applied to your personal brand or your business. This course is suitable for you if you are looking to transition from one career into the next iteration of your life. Right now, you are at a crossroads and you are seeking clarity on who you are becoming. So the course is for eight weeks. It has live classes, group coaching, worksheets, and a one-on-one strategy session with me. By the end of the course, you will be clear on what is your brand and have a strong launch strategy to action. Reinvention starts on the 3rd of August, and therefore, registration is now open until the 29th of July. If this is something that you want to be part of, sign up for a discovery call so as we can make sure that this is the right fit for you. The link is in the show notes. Finally, for today, on The 24th of September will be the celebration of the 100th episode, but at the same time, we shall be launching the Africana Woman Network. I am 
super excited for both of these things. And you know what? I love podcasts. <laughs> I'm sure you know this by now. And why I love podcasts, one of the reasons I love podcasts is that you can click rewind to go back in case you forgot a date or you want to hear the explanation that I gave earlier. As you can see, there is a lot, a lot to look forward to. So this is an open invitation for you to get involved. Check out the links in the bio or send an email on africanawoman at gmail.com and you will definitely get a response. To conclude, as you have heard, Africana Woman is not just a podcast. We are much bigger. We are a movement of generational curse breakers. We are generational wealth builders. Today's conversation is with Clara Kapelembe Bwari of Black Garlic. I thought this conversation is appropriate for today because we talk about how one must not be afraid to reinvent yourself to actually discover your true calling and passion. Please enjoy the conversation. Clara Kapelembebwari is a wife and mom of two. She has a degree and postgraduate degree in computer and information sciences from Monash. She is a food stylist, food photographer, and recipe author. Clara is currently the brand ambassador for National Milling Corporation. She has worked with various brands, both locally and internationally. Her work has featured not only in Africa, but outside of Africa as well. The likes of Food24, Black Foodie, and Dine Diaspora. Recently, Clara was featured in Afternoon Express on SABC, representing Zambian cuisine during Africa Month. I am so excited to welcome Clara to the Africana Woman podcast. Hi! Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. Well, welcome. This is exciting. Like, this is one of my favorite topics when it comes to food. So this is quite exciting. So my first question is always, what is your favorite childhood memory? Hmm, my favorite childhood memory? I think for me, it would be times when... Me and my siblings would probably be out at the trade fair, everyone, you know, just like family time. For me, I believe those are one of my fondest family memories with everyone just being together and having family time. Yeah. So you're a proper Coppola girl. You've always grown up. You grew up on the Copper Belt? On the Copper Belt. I was born on the Copper Belt. Schooled in the Copper Belt up to grade 12, went to university, stayed there for a bit, and settled back again on the Copper Belt. Ah, out of curiosity, where did you go for high school? Okay, so for high school, I was at Kalulushi Trust School. Ah, okay, great. Yeah, I also grew up on the Copper Belt. I was in Ndola, and then I went to Fatima Girls. Yeah. Yeah. My husband is from Ndola. 
nice. So where did you meet? Because I know you lived in South Africa together, but where exactly did you guys meet? At university uh-huh. in South Africa. Okay. And then you just decided to stay on. Was the plan to stay in South Africa for a while or what happened there? Okay. So the plan was, uh, since both of us were in IT, it only made sense that we stayed there because there were many more, there were opportunities there than home. So we felt, okay, so we're done with university. Let us just stay in South Africa. So it happened that my husband joined a company that allowed him to work remotely. So pretty much he was working from home. So I remember I was pregnant at that time. I don't know. It was the hormones or whatever. I don't know. So a light bulb just switched. I was like, babe, I think let us just go back home. I mean, I wasn't working at that time. So I said, there's nothing that we're doing here. If you're working remotely and you can still maintain your job, why don't we go back to Zambia? And the next morning, he spoke to his employer, and they said, not a problem. You can go back. That's how we started preparing to come back to Zambia from, I think we've been back since 2017, 2018, 2017, 2018, thereabouts. Yeah, so here we are. Yeah, but you see, that's why I... I get frustrated sometimes, especially when you're looking at coming out of the pandemic, where there are some companies that are so rigid about their employees having to be in the office 24-7, like physically in the office. And I'm like, guys, remote work is possible. (laughs) It is very possible because like I'm sharing, this was him Pre pre COVID, exactly the company. Yes, the company was just structured in such a way that they would have employees from different parts of the world mm-hmm. working for the same company. So it worked well for us in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, just to clarify for our listeners, Clara's from Zambia, like myself. When you were choosing your your career, like the things that you went to study, ICT. And then, you know, you've just done this, like, total turn. You think that you've abandoned it or in a way you've also incorporated what you were learning. You know what I mean? Okay, so when I cho- when I decided to study IT, and this is a known fact, my dad said to me, young lady, you will study IT because it's happening. You'll get a job quickly. So go to school, go study IT because my dad was in IT. So obviously, naturally, I guess he he would groom us to be in the IT field, obviously, as any parent would. So I wasn't really depressed about it. I said, you know what, let me go to school. Let me do what this man wants. And then, yeah, I'll do whatever it is that I want when I'm done. But... If I said I had always wanted to be in food, that's a lie. The food just happened after the wedding. I was a new wife, you know, trying to impress. So I found myself in the kitchen often, obviously. (laughs) So I was trying new recipes. And before you know it, I was like, I really like this. Let me start sharing some of my work on the internet. And yeah, here we are now. Yeah. 
like six years later here. I like the way that you've just like summarized from cooking for your husband as a new bride (laughs) to here we are now. We're going to break it down. (laughs) Yeah. Let's break it down. Okay. So first of all, who are your influences when it comes to cooking? My mom. Let's start from there because I'm not going to name someone that I probably never met my mom was always in the kitchen, so I grew up in a home where we were big on family and Christianity. So ever so often we'd have people come over, we'd be hosting, and my mom would always be in the kitchen. If there was a church program, my mom's place would be the place where the cooking would be done. is where it's at type of vibes. So I grew up in a place where cooking was a very big part of, of my well-being. And my mom, you know, when people would come over, it, it would always be compliments. Oh, wow, this was amazing. This beef was amazing. You know, and it wouldn't even be like fancy stuff, like everyday stuff. Your visashi, your mungoyo, and people would like praise my mom all the time. So for me, that is P1 inspiration number one. And then if there's someone else that I look up to, I really love Jamie Oliver. I love his style of cooking. It's relatable. I love the way he does his meals. They're easy. They're quick. Amazing. And then another person I believe we can't be talking about food without her is Siba. I think she's a mentor. She's an inspiration for all of us. She has taken not only South African food to South Africa, but across the world. For me, that is just amazing. Yeah. Well, let's talk briefly about how culture is linked to our food like you've said you know when you were growing up the experience of you know seeing your mom always cooking you know when there's big events within the community now what in the zambian culture how is food linked to our culture i think food is a very big part of being zambian like you know how like even in a visitor's mind it's 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 there like when i go to someone's house and i'm spending more than 2 hours this person must feed me right when you go to a funeral you expect to eat when you go for a wedding you expect to eat so i think food is a very big part of being zambia when people come to your house they need to eat because if they don't eat they'll go back with a story saying yay that girl we didn't even have a cup of juice. She is. Yeah. So food is a very big part of who we are. Yeah. You know, I like to take it even deeper when I think about food and how it brings families together, you know, because even when you look at the preparation of food and especially, you know, when we were younger, the older generation, a lot of the food wasn't as processed or far ahead uh, in the preparation as it is right now. People would sit outside and they would be chatting whilst picking the the chihuahua, the kalembula, or you're going through, or your mom will say, hey, come and do the beans, you know? So it's, it then becomes mm-hmm. like this 
communal event that brings people together in your family. For me, when I think about food, those are the memories that come up where we would sit and be doing all this food prep uh, and, you know, just spending that quality time together. And I think in a way, sometimes it gets lost right now because things are so, they're already like processed because, you know, you'd find like cut vegetables, mixed vegetables already packed and being sold in the in the, in the yeah. supermarket. You know in what I mean? Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's yeah. like taking away from that part, that, that, um, uh, the community part of what food does for us in our community, you know? Um, yeah. Really and I mean, true. I think the other thing that I really love um, when I think about food is also just the, the season, the season of foods, because I think a lot of times when you have, when these bigger chain stores come in, they want to bring they want to bring certain things there all the time. But there's something to be said about looking forward to a particular season and that food is coming out. It's like, oh, it's mango season, guys. Like, girl, mango. Hey. You know I'm already I mean? counting down to mango season. Like, I know, December, I'm just a away. <laughs> Yeah. And you can imagine, like, my mom is obsessed with mangoes. So she's got, like, 23 trees in her yard. If she could put numbers on all of the mangoes, she would, you know? <laughs> she would. <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, so mushrooms yeah. when they come out. And, you know, it's it's just, it's, you even feel, like, excited when you're eating your foods around that period because it's, you know, it's, it's, that, it's the mm-hmm. season for it. But then sometimes when everything is always there supplied then it takes away the specialness from it you know but anyway uh moving from that i wanted to find out you said that you you started cooking when you were in south africa so what was that experience like because obviously you know you've got a a zambian palette and i'm not too sure who you were cooking for just walk us through that so i was blessed to be in a community of uh, mostly Southern Africans, so people from the from Congo, people from Malawi, people from Zimbabwe, people from South Africa. So our food was not so far fetched. I think I remember having uh, two clients from West Africa, and then would always have a fight because for them our food was a bit different. But then we kind of found a common ground and then I managed to adapt to whatever it is that they would want. But for me, it wasn't difficult because if I cook fish, people from Congo eat fish. You know, everybody eats eats fish, beef, chicken. So it was that Southern African vibe. Even East Africa had clients from Kenya. Our food is not so different. So I didn't really find that as a problem. It was food that we all eat amongst the countries yeah yeah so when you came back to zambia what was your first inclination i know you said that you you came back when you were pregnant so did you start straight away or it's like something that you you know you took a bit of time and then went into it so i think the time we came back i was about seven eight months pregnant so no i was just you know getting myself mentally ready for the nine months So, yeah, I was just chilled and, you know, waiting. But when I did give birth immediately, I started uh, making cakes to sell. 
you could bake a cake every other day and then also catering for weddings. I did that as well. So weddings at least every other Saturday, maybe once a month, once every two months, pretty much, and the cakes. That's what I was focused on when, when we came back here. Yeah. So why did you choose cakes and catering for events like big events like weddings? Okay, so when I first baked the cake and then I posted posted it online, the response was extremely overwhelming. I had clients from Chidila Wombwe, Ndola, Luansha. Like people were genuinely supportive of the cake business. And I, I made my cakes in such a way that obviously my decor wasn't out of this world, but the flavors were so good. So once uh, clients would taste my cakes, they would then spread the word and then I'd have clients. So honestly, the response was overwhelming. And then weddings as well. I don't know. I don't even know why. I just said, let me try. (laughs) Let me try. And as well, the, the response was amazing. People loved my food. Yeah, the support was good, pretty much. Yeah. So from those businesses, what did you learn from them? Because I feel like in everything that we do, there's something that we're learning that eventually we're going to use in that thing, which we know is the, the one we're going to stick with, you know, going forward. So when you look at catering for weddings or doing cakes, what is that thing that you learned from those businesses? Okay, so I'll start with weddings. If you want to stress cook for weddings... Babe, hey, you will stress, you will stress, and you will stress from the, nah, nah. No, you need to explain, Clara, because people will come in. Okay, let me explain. Okay. Uh, We're having 150 guests, and then... Two days before the wedding, oh, we're actually uh-huh. 250. And you're like, but but how, but when? You know, how am I supposed to get ingredients from? Two days is even better. Two days is even better. You know what happens? You get to the event and then um, someone paid for 150 guests, guests. You get to the event, it's 350 people. Babe, what do you do? <laughs> A whole 350 humans that need to be paid. Hey, Hectic, H for hectic. And then, you know, with weddings, the uncertainty is so... So let's say, for instance, um, that morning, you fry the chicken, everything is done, and the pot decides to fall on the ground. You need to buy chickens, right? So it's one of those where you have the money, but you can't really spend the money only, only after the wedding is done because anything could go wrong. The pasta could overcook. Something could go wrong. The transporter maybe doesn't come on time. You need to hire transport. It's very hectic. It is very, very hectic. You really need a big team for weddings. If you want to be top-notch, you need, you need a big team. So I don't know, five people on the veggies, some on the chicken. Like it's not one of those jobs that you can do, you and three other people. You need a big team, you need to be organized and you need to know what you're doing. So for me, the stress was just unbearable. So for a wedding, I can bet you, you'll be tired for two weeks, literally. So when the, if the wedding is on Saturday, that Monday you start with the preps. 
You'd be tired from Monday till the next Monday, literally tired. So for me, the money is good, but the uncertainty and the stress, and then also think about it at the wedding, obviously the bride and the groom are your boss, right? But at the wedding, it's the uncle and this auntie and this sister. You have so many people saying things to you. Do this, do that. Uh, no, no. It's very, very stressful. Would I ever do it again? No, never. Okay, what about the cakes? Tell me about the cakes. Okay, so for the cakes, one thing is for sure, good cakes cost money. So I feel yeah. like for cakes, you need to... It's one of those where you need to build your clientele over a period of time so that when you say to your clients, listen, a medium-sized cake is going to cost you, for example, 1,500 kwacha, and they say, okay, cool, we are going to pay you 1,500 kwacha. So people want good cakes, but they want them cheap. And then when I was doing the cakes, it was during that time when load shedding was crazy. So I just couldn't work. Says my okay, yeah, you're just like bringing back like trauma memories because I actually had a, a cake business, so I was doing cakes and then I was doing wedding cakes. Sis, that though that don't change period. You know, where you put your ingredients, it's in the oven, and then the power just goes in, and then you don't even know when it's coming back. You don't know, like, should I open the oven? Should I just risk it, leave it in there, and it's just. Then you have to now start thinking about, okay, do I have enough to go and to, you know, make the cake again or have to go and get more ingredients? Again, cost, owie, 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 owie. Sorry, that's just like trauma in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Please continue. Yeah, so, but one thing about cakes, once you have your clients, they're really faithful, hey? They are very faithful. They stick to you. They support you. They, they bring their people who bring their cousins, like you build this whole community around cakes. Would I do cakes again? Maybe. Uh, maybe I would. I would definitely. It's something that I really enjoyed doing. And then if I had to cater again, I would limit it to 20 people maximum. I'm not doing community cooking ever again. So 20, I'm in control. I have, I can manage my stress. I can I can be in control. So yeah, from from the from the weddings, I learned that minimize the group, be in control, and for for the cakes, pretty much the cost the costing. Don't be afraid to name your price because cakes are expensive to make. Pretty much, yeah. So now when you look at your mom, don't you just ask her like when you were doing the wedding like catering? Weren't you like but but mom? How did you do all this cooking? <laughs> I, I'm like, Mom, how did you ever? Because, oh, yeah. But here we are now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here tell us about the transition of how you moved from, you know, catering and then to what you're doing right now. What was... What was your, your mind frame in terms of saying, okay, I'm moving in this direction now? 
Okay, so what happened? It got to a point where it felt like every neighbor was a baker, everyone was cooking for weddings. It kind of just felt like the market was extremely saturated and I was getting bored and depressed because let's say, for instance, you want to charge your cake for a thousand kwacha. Here's somebody new on the market and they'll say the cake is 200 kwacha. So it just felt like I was drowning and I wasn't making any progress, to be honest. So one thing that I honestly, genuinely loved, even when I used to share my recipes prior, before monetizing it, is I had a thing for pretty food pictures and well-organized plates of food. So I said, I sat and, and I thought, there is nobody in the country that is doing this. This is actually something that I could do. I could literally make a business out of this because we don't have anyone. What would happen is companies would go online, buy stock images, and then slot their product on the side. For me, that was just, I was like, no, this is not cool. You mean to tell me there's nobody in the whole Zambia that could actually cook with your product and take pictures for you? So yeah, that was a light bulb switch. And then, yeah, said, let me do this. So I decided to rebrand before my business was called Clara's Kitchen. I wasn't really sure what I was doing, posting this, posting that. You know, my head was everywhere. So I said, if I'm going to take on this route, the corporate route, I need to clean myself up. So I had to rebrand. I literally had to delete every single thing that I had posted on my social media done, delete, gone, in the bin. Literally, I had to start afresh. Got a new name, new logo, new everything. And I rebranded and I slowly started approaching businesses. Hey, listen, I'm this, this is what I do. Would you be interested? Most of the answers were no. They didn't know what I was talking about. But when I got my very, very first yes, that was the beginning. At least then I had something to refer them to. And then, yeah, slowly but surely, clients started coming. Instead of me asking them all the time, they would now approach me and, yeah. Okay, so let's just go back. When you talk about branding, I think a lot of people don't really understand what what is entailed in branding, you know? Because you're saying that you went back and you you cleaned up your social media you took out everything that was just not on brand so what does it mean to have a brand okay so obviously this is not the textbook definition of what is a brand (laughs) this is my definition of what is a brand so your brand for instance i don't know if you I'm not so sure how long you've been following me for, but did you see how I purposely, I think for the first year, my face was never there. It's only I was like, who is this person? I want to see the face. (laughs) Yes. So that was me working on my food brand, the business, because sometimes it's very difficult for people to differentiate between you and the business. But I'm now at a point where my face also kind of needs to be part of the business because some brands would not only be interested in the food, they would also be interested in me as well. So branding is pretty much how you represent your business. So let's say, for instance, your business deals in 
cakes, for example, you will make sure that whenever you post or whenever you present yourself, it is related or it's within the framework of cakes. So I'm not going to post about my new puppy. I'm not going to post that I just got a new phone. I'm not going to post about, I don't know, I bought some a new dress. It doesn't align. And then again, like I said, this is not a textbook definition. This is me. So for my brand, if I'm not working or it's not work-related, I shall not be posting about it. I got a new puppy. It's nobody's business. I got a new pair of shoes. It's nobody's business because it doesn't directly align to my brand. My brand is a food or when I have to appear, it has to be something that's directly connected to something that has to do with food. That is my brand. So anything within the confines of that will make it to my social media. That's how I have branded my business. Yeah. So stylistically, you know, I think when I see a, your picture, I can, I'll know that this is a black garlic picture. You know what I mean? Because you have yes. a style. Now, how did you go about developing that where where someone can identify, you know, whether it's Kapenda or it's Brim, like, okay, this is black garlic. You see what I'm saying? Talk us through the nuances of that. Let me tell you something. Like any skill or any art, it takes practice, patience. The more you do it, the better you become. So, so let's say, for instance, and a lot of planning. Believe me when I tell you, I actually draw. Like I have a mental map in my head, or sometimes I actually put it on paper. Okay, so tomorrow I'm making Carpenter and Tenshima. This is how I want my scene to look like. So we call it a food scene, a styling scene. What is it that I am trying to, to show or to portray to my, to my audience? So I'm sure you've noticed sometimes when I do cakes, we'll have some, you know, like crumbs on the scene, a bit of a mess. So it's giving home vibes. It's not giving professional kitchen. It's giving amateur. It's giving we can all bake at home. Don't be intimidated. It's giving uh, the inside of the cake is moist. Everybody can do it type of vibes. So you kind of need to plan and think through the message that I'm giving to my audience. So let me say, for instance, if I want to show how, maybe the, how moist my chicken breast is, I will purposely cut and then have some chicken on the fork while focusing on the inside of the chicken. What is that? It's showing the, the, the person, my audience, once you try my recipe, when you cut it, your chicken will be moist. So it's a lot of thinking and deciding what it is that you want to give to your audience. Lots of planning, lots of practicing, and also getting to a point where sometimes if I'm not in a good mental space, I even like delete six pictures because the picture is not, it's not, it's not doing what it has to do. And that takes a lot because in the beginning you want to take a picture and you want to post it. Like your heart is not at peace, but you should get to a point in your work or in your creative space, especially for, for creatives say to yourself, okay, 
the picture that I posted yesterday. The next one I post has to be better. Toxic, I know, but better, better not in quality, but you kind of need to maintain a standard. So like you're saying, when you see my picture, you know it's my picture. So obviously I shoot at the same time, at the same spot, in the same conditions, because once I posted that one picture, it worked. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. So I will not, why will I start cooking at midnight? And then there's no lighting. And then what must happen? You know what I mean? Now, as a, a, a food stylist, right? You know, I, I watched a video, I don't know, some weeks back. And it was about food styling and different tricks that people, well, it, it was probably something that came out of like the States or something. And they were doing all these shocking things to their food. Like, it, I felt like my life was a lie. <laughs> you know, yes. so that is, you know, that is very true. Yeah. I think I know the video that you're talking about. So we have, we have commercial food stylists, especially those that do it for adverts. So they don't have time to cook the food. They, they literally have no time. But that doesn't mean every food st- or every professional food stylist does that. When I cook, the food is, it is what it is. So obviously, if I, I know I want to do a pizza, I can't make it in the morning and take a picture. The pizza would have, you know. So I need to prepare in advance such that as the pizza is coming out of the oven, I can cut and it's gooey and I can take an image. So it all comes down to planning and knowing when and how. So if I'm going to be dealing with ice cubes, I can't put the ice cubes in the morning. By the time it's 12, they would have melted. So prepare everything. When you're ready to put the ice cubes, you take a picture and it will be perfect. Yeah, because it really made me think about, you know, with the food industry and, you know, people doing recipes and things like that. And then we go and try it in our kitchens. Like, are we just lying to ourselves that it's realistic, that we'll get those, (laughs) that we'll achieve what we see in the pictures? You know what I mean? (laughs) So one thing about me that's different, I don't know about everyone else. So when I post a a recipe on on my social media, I have tried it at least three times. Because these people do a lot of this. So I have tried the recipe. And I know when somebody tries it, if they follow my instructions word for word, the recipe will come out the way I've said it would come out. So for me, that's not really stressful. I I know what I put out. When I put it out, I have tried it. I know it's good. And anyone can try my recipe and it will come out the way it is. Now, when we talk about, you know, making recipes and things like that, it's very much a science of how, you know, different ingredients go together and maybe it activates something in another ingredient, you know what I mean? So when you started now experimenting with making, creating recipes, was this something where you had to do a lot of research in figuring, in learning how to make recipes or has it been very um, innate and something that's been natural for you? Okay, so uh, for me, one thing is for sure. When I started, I'll go online, try a recipe, and then I say, I ask myself, what? How can I add a bit of Clara to this recipe? If that makes sense. 
okay, so I didn't like it. It was too sugary or it was too salty. It had too much chili. And then I'll kind of play around with it until it becomes a Clara recipe. So I'm very, I'm not afraid to try and substitute and play around with ingredients until the food gets to a point where it feels like my own. So just being, being creative, being experimental in the kitchen, obviously I'll get flops. I still get flops sometimes. You try a recipe and it just doesn't do what it has to do. But it's part of the learning experience. You try, you experiment. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's so fascinating because you are doing sort of like three different areas. You've got, you know, you've got the cooking side of it. You've got the photography side of it. And then you've also got a business, you know, and those require so different skills from you and different attention spans, I guess. How has it been to, you know, try and make those harmonize together? Because that's a lot of work into all three things. Some people would just say, I'm just going to take the pictures or, you know, I'm just going to do this part, you know, do the the food. But, you know, you're doing the three, which are very distinct um, skill sets to have. Okay, so for me, I'm really grateful that I've been able to, so I'm able to create my own recipes. So in the professional world, you get people that are only recipe authors. You get people that are only food stylists. And then you get people that are only cooks. And then you get people that are only food photographers. And then you get people that are only food bloggers. And then you get people that are only for TV. So by the time I'm showing up to the screen, the cooking has been done for me. And I just, you know, so I'm happy that I I have tested all the waters. And then should it get to a point where I have to choose one, it won't be difficult for me. It's not easy. So it's like one person doing all these things, but it gets easy over time. So, okay, you sit, you plan, I'm going to make this recipe. Maybe you plan this recipe two weeks in advance. Then it gets to the day when you need to cook. Then I've already styled and prepared the scene. So I just go back to my notes, you know, and then there's the editing and the posting and the so It's a lot, but it's doable. It's very doable. Yeah. Well, clearly it is. And you're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. I want to go back to when you were talking about, okay, so now you, you decided to position yourself where you want to work with corporate clients, right? So you're moving away from the, the community, the masses, and then you're saying, I want to work with corporate clients. Now, tell us a little bit more about how you approach the corporate clients. Because I think it's one thing when people hear that, oh, you know, um, I want corporate clients and go and approach them. Approach them, how? What am I supposed to do? Like, should I up? Like, should I, you know what I mean? Is there like a protocol? What is it? What did it look like for you? Or were you getting introductions? You know what I mean? No, it was just, okay, so you go to a page, I don't know, you fancy a brand that makes tea bags, for example. You go to a tea bag page, you check for their email, you get their number. So you try calling, hi, how are you? I am the, your best shot would be, hi, I'm looking for the marketing department. That kind of, you know, you, you get rid of all these other offices in the middle, you go straight to the marketing department. 
on a blessed day, you get to the marketing department and you introduce yourself. It's a lot. Hi, this is blah, blah, blah. This is what I do. Okay, may I please have your email? They give you an email. Make sure your proposal is ready. And then you send through an email explaining whatever it is that you want to do. And yeah, they look at your work. If they like it, they will say yes. Sometimes they just go quiet. You keep pushing. You really need to push. This is a job that really needs you to be. You can't, you can't be one that quits easily because the no's are many. You will get no's. You know, now I sit back and sometimes I just giggle. Like businesses that I had approached three years ago, some of them are now actually coming back themselves and saying, hey, babe, can we... <laughs> So it's a process. Sometimes people just don't need you at that time. Maybe your English is not working that day. They can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> or maybe the person that you're talking to is, they're having a bad day. You know what I mean? So sometimes the no just doesn't mean it's no. Sometimes it's just not the right place or the right time. Yes. So just keep trying. So yes, they say no. You try again two months later, they still say no. You try again a year later, and they say yes. So it's a, it's not a job where it's, hi, yes, no, it doesn't work like that. So yes, you send your emails, but make sure when you do send your emails, have someone that has read through your email, someone that you trust that their English is, you know, <laughs> top-notch. It has to be one of those people. Let them read through your email. Make sure your thought pattern, it has to be short, sweet, and straight to the point. It has to be clean. Make it captivating so that even the person reading it will be able to quickly pick what you're saying and be interested in, in working with you. Pretty much, yeah. So lots of no's, many no's, yeah. That, yeah, thank you so much for that breakdown. I think <laughs> like you're saying, like the people that are, that, you know, you had asked them a while back. Now they are coming to you without you even soliciting them. And I think some people can get to a stage where they, they're like, you know, petty, like, Oh, today you want to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> no sister, you need to make the money. I know, right? Just, just, just add a bit of tax. But yeah, <laughs> you can't you, you can't be emotional about money. Yes, I said no then, mm-hmm. but maybe like I'm saying, it, it didn't make sense then, but it's making sense now. Mm-hmm. So take them back with open arms and just do a good job. It's business at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about your your team because I imagine your team may not necessarily be even people that are on your payroll per se. For example, for me, <laughs> my mom is like my number one reposter. <laughs> like I have any content, she's posted it. She's posted it everywhere, you know? So yeah, just tell us a little bit more about that. Yo, I would love to say I have an amazing support system. So just starting in my household, uh, Mr. Wally. So Mr. Wally is, he helps me with the video content. Yes, so like he helps me with the editing of the videos and the music and whatever that's like, yes, he's, he's, he's on the videos. 
when I started, he used to help me with the picture editing, but I quickly learned. So at least I've relieved him of his duties. And he's just now like helping me with the videos. He's the one who's good with the English in this home. So he does the emails and reading through and and making things pretty, the websites, the visuals. He's really good with that. So we kind of, he might be in the background, but we pretty much do work a lot together for the business. And then like you're saying, moms, yo, moms, what would, what would we do without our moms? So when I need to travel, when I need to work, I just take my children and leave them at mom's house. At least I know that that's, that's sorted out. And then I, I'm just very fortunate enough to have a very good community of people that are not family, but are family, if that makes sense. I have, um, I love to call them mentors. One of them, and I'm going to name them. One of them is Tracy Kachave. She met me, we met in a recipe group and she's been mentoring me even before Black Garlic. Like she's been a mentor, she's been a sister encouraging me, telling me not to give up, just like she's been amazing. Obviously, Black Garlic and Wood Kitchen and like twins, literally they've been extremely supportive, hooking me up, helping me get deals, working together, learning together. They've been an amazing, amazing support system, the Woods. Yeah, I just, I have so many people around me that have taken up the role My mother-in-law is amazing. She just cheers me on my daughter because she was, she, she was an architect, um, in her career. So like career woman, girl power, my sister-in-laws, my siblings, amazing, amazing. I have like a crowd of people that just literally cheer me on to do better all the time. That just like warms my heart. It really does. Because I feel like as Africana women, one of the things that that we really champion is just community. Because I think a lot of times women have, they've got hurt from trying to be in a community. And then, you know, it didn't work out. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out, you know. So then it's there's, those, there's sort of like a resistance from wanting to, there's a res- resistance to, trust women especially and also just trust that someone really has the best intentions for you and I think it's so beautiful um, just the way that you were talking and describing you know all these women that have just really stepped up and really held you up as you are pursuing this amazing dream and I think it's just so beautiful and such a beautiful example of what we try to do you know we're trying to teach women to trust again community is such a beautiful thing and it helps you get so much further in a shorter amount of time instead of you trying to do it by yourself I don't know if you have anything to add to that yes you know the the goodness of having a mentor is they help you cut your journey into half so rather than you going the long way, they'll be like, hey, I know this person. And then you jump from from point A to point Z quicker than it would when you do it by yourself. So one thing is for sure, you know, it's, it's hard being a woman as it is. And half the time, the statistics show we don't really have our back. But it doesn't mean they are, all women are bad. There are good people out there. Then I always say to myself, if, let's say, for instance, you're my mentor, I can't expect to just take and take and take and take from you all the time. I also.
also have to be a good person to you. You know, just, you might be the wealthiest person, but I might just take interest in, oh, my kid is not feeling well. I'll be like, hi, Chulu, how's your baby doing this morning? You know, it can't always be, hook me up with this deal. Do this for me. No, it's a two-sided thing. You need to be good to people for people to be good to you. That's how a community works. Everyone comes to the table with different abilities and gifts and dreams and whatever. So the more we put in, the better the community gets and the more we help each other grow, pretty much. That's all I have to say. So when you look at, I guess the, the, the what would we call it? Is it like the foodies culture in Zambia? Where do you see it going? And what is your dream for black garlic and where it will grow to next? The foodie scene is in Zambia is buzzing. It is buzzing. And I love it. So many talented foodies that we have around. It's happening. People are getting out of their comfort zone. People are posting content. And it's just an amazing thing to see. People are monetizing the skill again. For me, that is very, very nice because there is money to be made. You can't just create content for the fun of creating it. So it's a good space to see. We're obviously fairly new, but we are taking strides to grow. And then obviously the Zambian foodie community, especially on Instagram, we love to cheer ourselves on, sharing each other's work recommending, just doing whatever it is that we can to put the next foodie on. And then for black garlic, for me, black garlic, the dream is just to be a household name and to put Zambian food on the map. It might not necessarily be black garlic as a brand, but just just being that person that made Lumanda famous, you know, just I want when someone says, oh, Zambia, Zambia is that place where they eat Lumanda. Or Zambia is that place where they eat Kasepa, for example. I want Zambia to be on the culinary map such that we are associated as a people with a certain type of food, like everyone else. Nigeria, Jalof, Kenya, this, what of Zambia? So for me, that, that really is the vision and the mission to put Zambian food on the culinary map. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I have so many questions, but you know what? Time is almost up. Okay. So so please let the world know, how do they find you? How do they see all of this beautiful food that you make? Where are you found? How do we support you? Okay. So for anyone that wants to follow me, you can follow me on my social media. On Instagram, it's Black Garlic Zambia. So black, the color black garlic the garlic that we eat and zambia my country black garlic zambia on instagram on facebook black again garlic on tiktok black garlic zambia on twitter it's black garlic but b-l-a-c-h-k because obviously black garlic the username was taken so it kind of put an h between the c and the k black garlic yeah Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I love food, guys, clearly, but I've so enjoyed having a conversation with you. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. 
Sarah is such a vibe. But I want you to really notice how she first reinvented herself as a new bride. That's when she started cooking. Thereafter, she expanded how she defined herself by cooking for her community. When she moved back to Zambia, she reinvented herself again by becoming a baker and a caterer. Now, here's the thing. Just because something serves you well in one season does not mean your dream cannot change and evolve. So we heard how Clara completely reinvented herself to create a wildly successful brand that we now know as Black Garlic. All of her experiences have brought her to where she is now and taught her many valuable lessons. I say this because sometimes we are bitter about what happened to us, you know, those negative things, those negative experiences. And yet they happen for us so as we can grow. Just one last thing I will say about reinvention. When you're looking to start up a business or position yourself as a thought leader or build a startup, you know, whatever it is for you, the best thing you can do to give yourself a chance for success is to look at what everyone else is doing in your industry and then do the opposite. Clara married her IT experience to her love for food to create a product for corporates. What is everybody else doing? They are baking and they're catering for the masses. Now, that is how you reinvent your brand for success. As Africana women, we give our guests their roses right now. Please find Clara on Instagram at blackgarlic. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Take a screenshot of the episode and tag us. We want to keep the conversation going. The mission of Africana Woman has always been to tell more African women's stories. One of the ways that we are doing this is by helping you start your own podcast. If you have a burning idea and are interested in launching a podcast, but you don't know where to start from, Contact us at africanawoman at gmail.com. Your story is important. My playground is Instagram. Please find me at Chulu by Design. Tag me, tell your friends about the Africana Woman podcast. And again, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcast, because that helps us spread the word about the show to more African sisters out there. So talk to you soon. This has been a production of Africana Woman Media.